What's the strongest ship in the fleet? And I know fleets. Friendship. Scene snobs, you guys are great. Welcome, everybody, back to Warp Factor Fiction. This is episode five. We're back again. We are still on Enterprise. This is season three, the first half, episodes one through 12. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Nick, who is sitting next to you? And I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, we've had a little bit of a change. If you guys do check out the scene snobs, you might know that Casey has actually departed. Um, he's left uh, the scene snobs. We are in good uh, standings. Casey's my best friend. We talk all the time. We just talked a little bit earlier today. Uh, and he's doing really well. He actually gave me this hoodie the other day. And I love it. And I appreciate you for it. And thank you so much for your Casey the Man Man. And, uh, but I am joined as my new co-host who's joining in with me and you'll be seeing him for a while. This is my stepson, Tommy. Hello. Welcome, Tommy. Thanks for joining in, man. Want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your love of Star Trek? Uh, my name's Tommy. I got into Star Trek, uh, not long ago, actually. Uh, you showed me, I really got into it in Picard. <laughs> yes. Well, the one thing I really liked about it is because we did start watching it. Uh, what was what was the show? We, we started watching DS9. You started watching DS9 with me a few years ago. I never really got into that though. Picard was my first full season. Well, yeah, you you were pretty funny about it because I would go back and forth between TNG and Picard, and you would always say to me, "You were like, you always seem to like TNG more than Picard." Uh, not Picard. Uh, TNG more than DS9. And then uh, Picard, you got into as we were watching, because it seemed a little newer, and you like the newer movies as well. But I always told you how everything was interconnected, and you seemed interested in it. And uh, when this happened, we started talking about it, and I wanted to bring him in, and I, he has an interest in checking it out, so I thought it would be a fun ride for him to join in on this and maybe kind of get a young perspective on the Star Trek universe. So what do you think, Bill? Uh That'll be cool, and... <laughs> Welcome to episode five of Wolf Factor Fiction. That's right. That's right. A chronological analysis of Star Trek on screen, where we are going in order of Star Trek, everything you've seen on screen, all the animated, all the live action, the movies, the TV shows, the whole nine yards. We are, like I said, we're in Enterprise season three. We are in the middle of the Zindi War. Uh, now, to give you a little bit of a backstory, guys, we've talked about it with seasons one and two. Uh, leading up to this, this is very much the pioneer days of Starfleet and them joining in and their their flagship in Enterprise, the NX-01, traveling around, meeting new species. Well, this is very much a change. The studio wanted to change things up when they started this new season. It was in danger of being canceled after season two, but they gave it one more try and said, go out there. We want a little more action. We, they wanted a little, and to add a little bit more, and I hate to say this to you in front of you, buddy, but they wanted to add a little more sexiness to it, and they kind of did that element. They wanted to add the grittiness. They wanted this whole element to come in and kind of change the flavor of what Star Trek was, to kind of save it, and to kind of give them what they were getting from the Star Wars movies of the time and other science, fictions, uh, science fiction properties. And it, we kind of saw that you know, a few months earlier from this season, through Star Trek Nemesis. We'll get into that more. We've talked about it a little bit in other shows, our quarter impulse show, things like that. But in this season, it very much was an allegory 
for 9-11. What we talked about in season two in the final episode, uh, Earth gets uh, has a terrorist plot against it, and 7 million people die with a new weapon that uh, that is, they are attacked with a new weapon that they have never seen before. It is from the future. Uh, a species called the Zindi attack them. They find that out. And then it is tasked, uh, Enterprise is tasked with going out, led by Admiral Archer and his crew, with the Makos now in tow. And the Makos are the military uh, faction um, that was with Starfleet in the early beginning, which we also see in Star Trek Beyond, which we'll get to when we get to that movie. And they go out and they go hunting the Zindi in the Expanse. That's where they're hiding out. The Zindi are made up of five different species all come together as a council and they live together, they work together the whole nine yards. So this is where they come in and it is like I said, it's an allegory for 9-11 there's a lot of themes that are very similar it happened only a few years after 9-11 so so many themes to talk about here and we'll get into that I realize as an 11 year old you don't know a lot about that (laughs) we're going to discuss it a little bit here and there and you're going to learn about it for sure But as we go on, we're going to talk about the first 12 episodes. So let's get started there. I'm going to go down the first 12 episodes. We're going to talk about it, highlight some things that we really like, highlight some things we really don't like, and then we'll move on from there. Sound good? Uh All right. Let me pull up what I got. Okay. So we start off with the Zindi. That is episode one of season three. It has now been six weeks since the attack on Earth. The NX-01 Enterprise is traveling through the expanse. They have not found any clues to where the Zindi are. They are at a loss. They're just really chomping at the bit, right? Yeah. And it's uh, it's kind of driving them mad a little bit, it seems. Uh, they get word that there's this prison mining colony. And if they go down there, and then Captain Archer, joined by Trip go down to uh, meet with the warden, so to speak, to, uh, oh, I'm trying to adjust so you guys can hear me. Uh, so they go down to meet with the warden, so to speak, and he's a very deceitful being. He says, I have some information for you if you give me a certain payment for it. And when they get down there, he traps them, and he calls the Zindi to come and get them. Now it's a mad dash escape. They find another prisoner who does know where the Zindi are. He is part Zindi. They all have to escape together. Um, and it becomes this whole rescue mission slash escape mission. I have to tell you this episode wasn't one of my favorites. I didn't think it was a strong suit coming out. I would love to hear what you thought. I did not think it was one of my favorites either. I think one of I think the key character, the most key character there was Archer for that episode. Okay. To me, that episode felt like a Sort part of it felt like a Mission Impossible movie because how like they were going up through the thing with like all the traps and like they had to get past it. It mm-hmm. almost felt like a Mission Impossible movie. I like that comparison a lot. That doesn't really feel like that, especially when I'm climbing out of the shaft and such. Um, that's a great comparison because it did, it did feel and be, like I had said with season three, they wanted a more action packed sort of season. It did have that feel of like a you know, that escape, that full escape, they're trying to get out, and then they have the um, the Makos come in later and try and save the day. Uh, you know, I love the addition of the Makos 
and to get that backstory. But they really didn't shine as much as I would have liked to. And this, this was just wasn't a good opener, in my opinion. I do not. I think if they had this at, like, the third or fourth episode, I feel like it could have been... I feel like it would have been maybe more fitting to put it not like late into the season but like maybe like an episode or two at the beginning wow. like them in the expanse like them traveling through to the expanse because like it took so that. long that was like a big time skip so i think they could have like just two like even if like even if it's just one episode of just like the ship just normal life on the ship without um danger I love that point. That's a great point. I think I would have liked this episode more if it wasn't the first episode coming out. If this was like episode three or four, and we're finally getting that clue, you're right. Like I think, or even if like yeah, if it's like episode three and you got two episodes of them, like the first episode traveling, I would have actually liked to pick up and see episode three or episode season three, episode one, then maybe meeting the Makos, getting together, starting the travel to the Expanse. And like just like normal life on the ship because you don't usually you don't really see normal life on the ship. Usually it's something's happening. Usually it's something that spirals off course. Yeah. The one that would be closest to that was um the one that we'll be talking about next episode, I feel like would be um number sixteen, but even that wasn't a normal one. That's a great I love that point. That that is a really great point. And it, and it goes to show you when it comes to TV shows, how, and this isn't an out of order thing. Some TV shows do that where they might air something out of order on TV and then it feels out of whack. Like, why is that character there when they got introduced three episodes later, you know, because it was aired out of order and that happens, you know, it's happened in many other shows. This has that feel, but you're right. I, I, I don't like, I, I think I would have liked this episode more if it was deeper. Very good point. Really enjoyed that. All right. Um, let's move on to episode two. Episode two is uh, Anomaly. So because we're in the Expanse, we're dealing with, uh, there's many anomalies happening. They have these sphere, spheres that have been built. They don't know yet why they were built. Uh, we we know because we watched the season, and we'll get there, and we'll explain it a little bit. But uh, these spheres have been built, and these spheres are creating anomalies. Uh, I will only leave the fact that these spheres have been uh, are, are from the future, and that is what's creating the time paradox Wait. and the anomalies. I did not. I didn't think the spheres were from the future because during it they say um, the spheres were built a thousand about a thousand years ago. In this episode, they were. Oh no, no, not that episode. They they did it in the religious zealot episode. They thought they were built, but they were actually built by the. Um, Sphere of Builders. The Sphere of Builders. Yes. Well, I thought during that episode they were like, it, they were built a thousand years ago. And then. But it's technology from the future. Oh, yeah. That would, yes, yeah, it so, it's, so it's creating the anomaly because it's not supposed to be there. And as the Temporal War is fighting, it's creating those anomalies. Right. So when we get into it, all of these anomalies are creating catastrophe on the sets. Uh, not on the sets, on the ships and such. I'm saying sets, but you know how it is. Um, so as we go on, the anomalies are, are like, it's catastrophe on, uh, like the dilithium's not really working correctly, uh, which is their main source of power for, for everything. Um, they get attacked by pirates in this episode. Yes, they do. 
uh, the Osarian pirates. Um, so it, it, it's it's just one of those things. Like they they follow the pirates to because they because remember when the Osarian pirates attack, uh, they do capture one of them, but they steal pretty much all of their ammunition. And that is how they found the sphere because they go in there and so do they. Yeah, and they get their stuff back, which I thought was a really good one. I thought this was a good one because we finally got this action. We finally see what's going on. We get a sphere. Uh, we see inside where what's being kept in there. Uh, what did you think of this episode? And, and who's your highlight character in this? I do agree with you. By the way, for the first episode, I do agree with you that Archer is my highlight character. That's it. I couldn't really think of a highlight character. I don't think this episode really has a highlight character. I think this was more like a group episode for me. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. Although, I don't know. I don't... I mean, I think the only thing that I could think of... I didn't... I put I don't know. I still have I don't know. But, like, maybe Archer, because that was, like, showing... a group. If you want to say the group, i I do. Okay. The only reason... I think, um... The... If it... The, I think it's more of the group, but, like, Archer, maybe, because, like, when throwing the guy into the brig, and, I mean, the airlock, nearly killing him... I know, right? ...was, yeah. was a not very Archer thing to do, and it shows how the Expanse, like, can change people. How the Osarian said... How the Osarian said, like, the Expanse changes you. Like, we had to take... We had to do these things. And so Archer did that. Yeah. But I still, I do still think it was more of, like, a group. Yeah, and, and the one thing I really like about that is because I've talked about this with Seasons 1 and 2... And how Archer changed through. Archer was very cavalier in the first season. Every time he made a decision, especially when he's breaking Prime Directive because he thought he was doing the right thing, he, and there was no Prime Directive. You know what the Prime Directive is. We talk about that, right? Where you don't, if a species doesn't have warp, we don't mess with them. Okay. Because if you start messing with them and they don't have that capability, you're kind of changing their way of life. So we, we create the prime directive. That's the number one rule. We do not break this directive we, because we can't change these civilizations. Right. And we don't overstep other civilizations either, even if they have warps. So like, if there are people who have certain religious capabilities or you know, certain technological capabilities, religious beliefs, things like that, we don't overstep because that's their world. If they're on our ship or something, that's different. It's like, you're here, we'll respect you. But you can't you can't push on us either how it works. And that's just kind of like the respect that you give. Now he was always breaking it in the first season, but by the second season he's realizing I gotta stop breaking it. It has catastrophic um, tendencies towards, towards uh, other things. So when, and we'll talk about that more uh, in other areas, but in this, you're right, and I love the Osarian pirates doing that because we do see them when they become pirates later. We'll talk about that in the second half of the season when they have to steal the warp coil, you know, and what that does and who Archer becomes. And you'll see in season four how Archer deals with that PTSD of having to become that guy and become that warlike commander, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that was, so I like how you said the group effort on this. I'm going to go a little bit different. I think Trip really shined in this because he was dealing with the anomalies the most, and I really like how he did that. I also think that uh, Travis uh, did a really good job, and he shined as a pilot. Uh, 
All right, let's go to the next episode. And the next episode is Extinction. That's episode three of season three. This is one where uh, Hoshi, um, Archer, Reed, um, ends uh, uh, to Paul, go down to this planet. They start getting transformed. They start uh, uh, devolving into an alien, a different alien type of species that's very caveman-ish. They're called like the Lokek. Yes. They're like, and they're like, the Lokek made this thing where it's just like to go back to, oh, I think it was Urquat. I thought, I thought it was Lokek. It was not. No, they are called Lokek, but they want to get back to their city, which is called Urquat. Yeah, but the city's gone by now. Like, it's, and it's like, all, yeah. Because they've, they've run extinct, right? Yeah, they were going extinct, so they made this virus so that, so that they wouldn't go extinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but T'Pol does not get infected. She does get affected, but it's slower for her genealogy because she's Vulcan. So she's not, but remember, she is she is affected, but she's slowly changing. So she's trying to stay with them. She can she can work with them, and, and, and they trust her because they were there the whole time with her uh, as they develop too, too much, and she's trying to work with Phlox and them because remember, they try to take her off, so that way she wouldn't keep going too far, and they were going to send Fox down. But she stayed, and she was like, "No, I'm getting through to them." So I, I, I thought this was a pretty good episode. I, T'Pol definitely shined in this episode. That was what I put as well. I had T'Pol. Uh, some thoughts on it. It was kind of weird episode. It was it a was, weird it was a, episode. It was a honestly, this was what we call a uh, for especially Star Trek, and it works perfectly for Star Trek. Um, it was a, a like a landing party episode, like a away mission episode, which is exactly what it was. It, it, it kind of took you away from the full story. Like, yeah, they were there for a Zindi reason, but it just kind of took you out of it. It, it just it, it wasn't a great episode, but it was well acted. I thought. Yes, I do think this was better than the first episode. Still. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll agree with you. And like I said, T'Pol to me really was... So the, I th- feel like T'Pol was like the only character really that got any development at all there. Because like nobody else... Because like, yes, it was Archer, Reed, and Hoshi, but like they were completely changed. Yeah. Um, and like you barely saw Reed. It was mainly Archer and Hoshi because like something happened to Reed along... Like Reed got captured and then Archer yeah. and Hoshi kept going to or Quat, but like they were alien. So it was really only T'Pol. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Good point. I like that. All right. So the next episode of season episode four, Rajan. And uh, so basically Enterprise helps an alien woman, Rajan, seeking to escape her life as a sex slave. Excuse me. I know you're 11, but we won't get into that portion of it. But that is what it is. Once on board, she uses her abilities to gather biometric data about humans and is recaptured by her employers, the Zindi Council now. As an 11-year-old, I do realize that Star Trek is going to have some adult themes. If you do have questions, I am happy to answer them for you. But let's save any deeper questions for father-son talks later. <laughs> okay. I have this one for the key character being Archer. I don't know. because like I, I thought Archer shined in this. I thought Archer was very... When Archer went back, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I don't mean to interrupt you. But I wanted to add to this real quick while the thought was in my head. Archer really showed a lot of who Archer was in the first two seasons in this one. So please proceed. 
Um, I I do feel like this episode was a little forgettable though, because I don't remember a ton about this episode. Mm-hmm. I remember like the slave girl getting data for the Zindi, and that Archer mm-hmm. was like the big character, but that's it. I I hardly remember anything else. It was it was, it was a forgettable episode. She was working with the Zindi Council. Right, she was working yeah. with them, but like they'd kill her if she didn't do the uh, info. Yeah, she was she was being used for sure. Um, and, and you're right. And she was, but she was sent on there to do it. And she, you know, she, she was doing what she had to do, but, um, yeah, it was a forgettable episode, but I, I agree with you. Archer was the one that shot mm-hmm. on this one, but it wasn't a high up for you. It wasn't, the, it's not, it's for me out of these 12, it's more like a mid tier. Cause like I, I it was good, but it wasn't great. And it was like a little forgettable. So like, it would be like top four but it's forgettable so yeah. I, I put it at like maybe seven eight i did like the makos in this i like that you got to see the makos more in action on this and you started learning a little more it was like a, it was a good opener to learn more about them yes um okay so we go to episode five impulse uh enterprise answers a distress signal from a stranded vulcan ship only when arriving they find the ship completely desolate wrecked and filled with Vulcan zombies. Now, this one is one of my favorites. I did like this one. This was a cool horror side of Star Trek, which you don't often see. And they dealt with the Vulcans coming in, and they're affected. So basically, I can't remember the name of it at the moment. That's it was Trellium D. Trellium D. That's that right. affects the Vulcans and like slowly turns them, and like they get addicted. You'll yes. see that later. And it, but it changed. Like it. And I love how they did it because it, it, they say zombies here and they do come off very zombie-esque, but it, it is almost like very, you know, and you, I don't expect you to know this, but, you know, at, at 11, and I hope I, I hope you never know this, but um, it, it, it is the way they made them look. It was like hints of zombie when it was in the horror parts, but then if you really got a good look at them, especially with DePaul, it was almost like very remnants of drug addict. You know, like you can see the effects. I can, of I can kind of see that because, like, later in the less in the later half of the season, to Paul um would uh use it similar to how a drug gets used, like because like yeah, she's yeah. addicted and like she takes like the shots of it. Yeah, because she has to wean herself off, and that's a very close and like to, see, they just become addicted. Very close to like methadone and and and, and how methadone addicts have to. Meth addicts have to, to wean themselves off the meth. They can't, you just can't quit it. So you have to go through doctors and, and such and get, and get the medicine to go off. It was, it was an interesting way to kind of go about it. The fact that the Vulcan ship, the Saleo is there, and to Paul wanting to go and meet with them and not knowing about the Trillium V and not knowing that this causes this because it was only a part of the expanse. And then to see those effects once she gets on and to see her and, and, and how it, it, it brings you down to your baser form and like it's affecting her and bringing her emotions out more and more where she can't control her emotions. I love that. She shined in this episode. Paul was great. I have to Paul here as well. Um, I didn't, before this, I didn't know Vulcans had emotions. I thought Vul- Vulcans did not have emotions and the only reason Spock did was because he was half human. This was the first, this was when I actually realized Vulcans had emotions. And, yeah. like, they really touched down on this, because, like, in multiple episodes, they say Vulcans have emotions. They just learned how to suppress them, like, yes. completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's a big thing with the Vulcans. 
and, and the fact that they often mention, and you, you'll see it as we go on. And I know you, and to, to give full uh, transparency, Tommy stepping into this hasn't had a chance. He's really stepped up and has not had a chance to watch seasons one and two yet. I've really pushed him. He's watched season three. He is going back to watch seasons one and two over the summer while he's at his dad's. Um, so he's going to watch seasons two, seasons, uh, seasons three, season four for this month and next month. We're going to watch Discovery. And then while he's at his dad's this summer, he says he's going to watch seasons one and two so he can learn those first two seasons, especially two because two is the best season. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. It's so good. You're going to love it. Um, so you will get to that. But this you're absolutely right and like you'll learn you'll learn a lot about the suppression of vulcan um uh, uh emotions in that season too they talked about it quite a bit so all right so uh yeah so to paul was really the um i think the one that really stuck out on that it was a cool zombie horror episode i oh, thought yeah. was good and and you learned a little bit more about the trillium they introduced it there and, you know other than that yeah. i didn't think it was a big episode to really shine wait they introduced the trellium in the first episode, though. But I'm sorry, you're right. They did, but I meant because uh, they were in the trellium mines. Mm-hmm. That's what that mining colony was. Yeah. But uh, I, I meant yes, they introduced it. But I meant in this, they introduced what the effects were because mm-hmm. that plays in a lot this season, and even the next season, even season four, it still kind of comes up because she still has the addiction. I meant with Paul. And uh, what Trillium D does to Vulcans. Because, mm-hmm. so. like, um, they the reason they're so affected by the anomalies is because they can't use it or T'Pol will become like that. So, Well, they still do. They still have to use it to ward off the anomalies. And she, but they have to use it very little. And so, sparringly, they have to use it to kind of keep going. And she's trying very hard not to. <laughs> um, yeah, this so one is this yeah this one okay so exile is the next episode episode six of season three uh hoshi starts getting haunted by somewhat of a ghost on the ship and he's calling out to her and then she, once she starts to realize that it's not a ghost it's actually a man reaching out to her telepathically and he wants to meet with her he says that he can help decipher the zindi's um uh, weapons location because they are building the next weapon to destroy Earth completely. Uh, I call it the Death Star weapon because <laughs> that's basically what it is. Uh, so he wants to come in. He and he's like a 400 year old exiled alien who lives on this planet by himself. They go to visit him. He says, "I'll help you," but Hoshi has to stay with me while I'm doing this work because he has fallen in love with her. Uh, he has telepathically linked with her, and he knows everything about her. It's very creepy in a lot of things. It's very, he's a very beastly looking. Um, I think he looks really gross, honestly. Just the character yeah, design. Yeah. It looks like he's like burned. It looks like he's a human almost, but it's like his entire body is just like severely burned with like. How it's just like well, he has those tentacles that kind of come out of his head too. Well, other than that, of course, but yeah, like his yeah. his he just looks like he's like severely like third degree burned everywhere. You make four hundred and see how you look. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So I get what you're saying, and but I think that's what they're going for. I think they were going for a very beauty and the beauty and the beast type of vibe uh, with the story of what they're trying to go with. You know, him falling in love with her, her being kind of 
creeped out by the whole situation of like having to stay with him, but realizing it's for the, I don't know if it's for the betterment of the mission, but it is for the good of the mission sort of, or she thinks it is. Uh, and it kind of plays out. I didn't love this episode. I found it very kind of boring. Uh, I thought like, I don't mind a Hoshi episode, but I wish it was more on point with the mission. I feel like they did a, the Hoshi, uh, Hoshi episode. Uh, I, uh, later in the season, it was like 22 or 23. It was one of the ones where like she, uh, something happens to her. Like they, she gets captured. Well, I, we'll talk about that when we get to that. Soon. But yeah, I just don't want to jump ahead on that and confuse anybody. I just felt like they did, but they did. And even care and even times when she didn't shine as much, I feel like they could, they did do her character a little better in some areas. Yeah. My, my problem with that is like, I can, I can talk a lot about enterprise and what they've done with enterprise. I feel like they, they went too far to make certain characters shine in certain episodes. Whereas I, I always kind of liked the TNG sort of it, a side of it, or the DS nine did it really well. Voyager, uh, even TOS, like all of them really did was make, yeah, you had episodes that were centric to characters, but the crew was always like there. They're always working together. And it was always important for them to do that. They didn't. They didn't do that a lot in this, this show. I feel like the um, for Enterprise here, one of the episodes they had it really centered around one one character in this half, mm-hmm. uh, but it all had also had a lot of um, the other crew in it. That episode is my favorite episode. I feel like they did that one really well. Well, let's let's get there first. Okay. Before we, we do, um, I want to just say this: uh, Hoshi was. The shine in that she did a great job she did a great job in that episode i just didn't think it was a strong episode mm-hmm. but i liked her in it i think yeah i think she did well in it but i don't think overall the episode was as uh, strong as it could be yeah every yeah yeah perfect i'm just gonna leave it at that that was a great uh, point all right uh all right so we get to episode seven and episode seven is called oh, sorry I'm losing my mind here <laughs> the shipment Oh, this one, yeah. This actually, this might be one of my favorite episodes. This is one of them. Uh, this is a good one. Let me read off this summary first before we get into it because I want everybody to know kind of what it's about. Enterprise follows a lead and discovers a Zindi lab that refines chemocyte. Chemo. Chemocyte. Thank you. The key ingredient. That's see why I brought them up. <laughs> the key ingredient in the weapon being built to destroy Earth. An away team of Archer, Reed, and Hayes. Hayes is the corporal of the Makos. Uh, and he is he's a sort of a central well, character. Major, because all the others are corporals, like corporal. Um, oh yeah, major. I'm sorry, not corporal. Major Hayes, um, and he is a he is a major character. Um, he leads the Makos who, who come in, uh, confront the lead researcher, Gralic Durr, uh, who was employed by Degra to ref- who becomes a very essential character later to refine the chemocyte, but was never told what it would be used for. Rolick realizes it was his uh, research that contributed to the 7 million deaths on Earth. He agrees to help Archer prevent further loss of life. Meanwhile, on Enterprise, Phlox and Tucker study the weapon they seized from the Zindi and find it an organic component, a life form serving as the, right, uh, the rifle's power cell. Despite DePaul's objection, Tucker tests the weapon. 
Uh, this was a good one because, again, it's another one where I think Archer shines the most. I, I also have Archer shining the most here. Um, it, it was very reminiscent of who Archer was once he realized who Grolic is. And that Grolic is a good person who just is doing his job. And, like, he didn't ask because of, like, oh, you want this? Well, that's going to give us a lot of money. Well, yay. We're getting money, and it's our job. So, yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's legal. So, um. I like this one. It really does set the stage because if they didn't have this one, Earth would be destroyed. If they didn't get this episode, Earth would be destroyed. Yeah. Because and- um, in this episode, Grey Lictor, he um, plants like something in the chemocyte that it was Enterprise- like a tracker, wasn't it? To, to, so oh, can- like it changed the some the change. Oh, that's the right. It changed, yeah, it changed the chemocyte so it wouldn't work. Almost, yes, and like it also would like so that they could track it and mm-hmm. the probe the probe didn't work. They found uh so because without that they never would have found the probe. The uh mm-hmm. like the weapon just before uh the main weapon. And if they hadn't found that, they never would have uh gotten something, which I'll that's later, but they never would have gotten something, which would bring them to something. Like, I love I, your description. Because I can't say I can't say that. I without. know you, and, and it, I don't want to give anything away, so I do appreciate it. But let's 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 move on from it, though. Again, Archer, I think, was the big uh, the the shine in this. Um, all right, so we move on to the next episode, which is Twilight. Um, it was an interesting episode. I like this one personally. I think Paul shined in this one more. I. I said that I put to Paul as well. It was hard. It was close. Archer was a good one, but but I had to Paul here. This uh, game. Well, let me read me... the summary before we start. Okay. Uh, his memory crippled. Archer awakens years in the future after the Zindi have reduced Earth to a cinder, and the remnants of humanity have settled on a distant planet. Now Archer learns that he may be the key to undoing this tragedy. Proceed, sir. This at the this gave me mirror universe vibes. This gave me almost like a mirror universe. At the mm-hmm. end, it explained how it isn't, but this was almost like a mirror universe to me. Yeah, because it changed it up. Because in the beginning, like it, it, it tricks you because, like, uh, Paul has long hair. She's dressed down, like not in uniform. They're living in a hut. Uh, he's like got the gray hair. Um, they're married, you know, and they're just living on this colony now. It's a really good episode. There's another episode in the South that almost seems like a mirror universe episode at the beginning, but then it's then you then it's not. Don't worry, you'll get your, you'll get your Enterprise Mirror Universe episode in season four, two. You got a two parter, um, and it is a weird one, but you'll love it. Uh, <laughs> so, this episode was not anything that I think blew it away. I think it was just sort of showing a glimpse of what would happen if the, the the weapon went off, and it kind of for Archer solidified we have to stop this at all costs. I do feel like it was... I liked this episode. This was a top five episode for me. Oh, I liked it. Okay. Uh, but I do... Um, I liked it because it also showed, like, that Trip Tucker becomes captain. Trip yep. becomes captain. Um, I believe Reed, Reed also becomes captain of a different ship. Mm-hmm. He gets a weird goatee-looking thing. Yeah. Is that why you're saying the uh, mirror episode? Well, it was also because, like, at the beginning, but also, like, our, in some other Mirror Universe episodes, like, in the uh, TOS one, mm-hmm. everyone had the goatee, and they were, like, uh, something like... 
Well, that that's not that's actually a popular misconception of Star Trek. It's not goatee. Not everybody has a goatee on the mirror universe. It's uh, Spock had a goatee, so that was like that. Was, like he had the goatee, and that was like the differentiating factor of oh, Spock is a bad guy when he has the goatee. So it changes up. And there's always a little because like in DS9 they had a mirror episode. They didn't have a mirror episode in TNG at all. Yeah, no, they never touched down on it. That was... Um, that I was actually... Kind of, they did in the comic books, but they never touched down on the... Uh, I, I, for such a long-running show, I feel like they should have done, like, a mirror universe. They were dealing with Q and the board. Like, that that was enough. Like I feel like I feel like what would have been a really good way to set up a mirror universe episode is at the beginning, it's not a mirror universe. You have Q sending them into a mirror universe, and then they have to get out. We'll get there with Picard. They two. did that in Picard, but I feel like they they should have done that in TNG. Let's I feel leave it like... alone because we're on Enterprise season. That's right. I love the I love the conversation, but remember we have quarter impulses where we talk about Mary. That's true. So we'll get there. I I don't want to stifle you, but I want to save it for the good stuff. I want to okay. I want to keep them coming back for more. Um, all right, so we're gonna go on to the next episode. So I like that you called it a top five episode. It, I think that's for this season. The top five episode is a good one. I don't know. I'd have to rethink it a little bit, but I do like that. Um, the next episode is uh, North Star. It is uh, episode nine. Enterprise investigates a previously unknown colony of humans who are living in fashion of the American Old West. They are oppressing an alien race called the uh, Skagarans. Skagarans, yes. These were, um, I feel like this episode was really good. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what to say about the episode other than like it was just it an was, away mission episode. But I feel like they did this one much better than they did episode three. Yeah, oh, this 100%. one was amazing. This was top three season for me. Really? This yes. is a top three episode? Yes, this was amazing. I really like this episode. Okay, I like that. I, this was a very good. I don't know if it would be in top five for me, but this is a good episode. I did really like it, um, and I do like how their involvement came in to try and help us with gardens and stuff like that. So And where it's like they broke the prime directive here, but it wait. Technically they did. Again, there was no prime directive still. Right. But like I mean if it was the prime directive was there, technically they didn't break it. Because if you remember, back then they said that the Skagarns had a ship, but they burned everything. So they just yeah. lost all of that super advanced technology that they could have had, and now they're stuck back in the wild, wild west. So technically, yeah. they don't have it, but they did have it. Yeah, and and, and I like that. Uh, it was like that good, that fun juxtaposition between the two. Like the Skagarans had them as slaves for a long time, and then so when they came back and they kind of toppled them, they started using the Skagarans as slaves. And it, it just is. There's a lot of um, themes in here that really kind of shine through. And I liked how they played out. And I liked how it, the lessons kind of came in. Uh, I do like that this uh, top three episode for you. Who do you think shined the most in this episode? Archer. This was Archer. Like for me. Yeah. Archer because, like, um, I do feel like this was really good. Because, like, it shows you the Star Trek world. How, Because, um, like, there are... Um, it showed you how, even when the two people are at war and like they hate each other mm-hmm. that there are still that there can still be peace and like that some people from there yeah. are completely fine because like with the teacher the she, teacher's trying she, to help yeah she taught uh skagarans well she taught the skags which is what they yeah. were which is what everyone called them which is basically a, yeah it's just teaching you about racism and like 
anti-cow racism, especially in the old west of like how it was working. And, um, um, and it was illegal to teach him, but she still did at uh, at night. Yeah, and I, I love that uh, you're picking up on that, and you're picking up on how this kind of played out. Um, this next episode, which is episode ten, which is actually one that I'd probably put in my top five. I really enjoyed it. It was actually directed by LeVar Burton. Really? Yeah, he directed a lot of these episodes in, in Enterprise, but he directed this one. It's called uh, Similitude, and it is Archer decides to make a fast-growing clone of Trip to help save his life while Enterprise is stranded in a dangerous field with uh, nucleonic particles. So basically, Trip gets gravely injured and is dying, and he needs, <clears throat> excuse me, he needs a uh, tissue, a tissue like a certain, like uh, I forget exactly where in his body he needs or organs. I think it was brain. Was it brain something. tissue in you? And like the reason was because he was trying to, um, so that they could go faster and so that they can go five and not push it by compressing the field. But like it blew up, it literally blew up in his face. Yeah. Both figuratively and literally. Yeah. So, cause I mean, the whole show starts off with trip getting almost like a Spock-style Wrath of Khan funeral, which, just to add to it, Tommy loves the movies, by the way. We haven't talked about that. Like, his introduction really was the movies. We, we sat down and watched. The, uh... We watched Wrath of Khan. We watched, I think, Search for Spock. We watched uh, Voyage Home. I know we watched that trilogy. But, and we watched... Uh, I don't think Khan's that was Act. my first one, though, because I remember... No, 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 but that was like a foray that you really loved. Because I believe the first one was the remake of those. I believe the first Star yeah, Trek yeah, yeah. thing I watched was. I think you watched Darkness. Into Darkness. Yeah, yeah. I, it was like um, you were watching it, and yeah, I, and you and stepped in and watched it with me. I, I yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I really, more. I, I do really like Into Darkness. Yeah, a lot of people don't. When we get to it, I can't wait to talk to you about. I it. don't know why though. It was so I and when we get to it, we'll explain, it was, I'll explain why they don't like it, and I like it, but it doesn't have the impact that Wrath of Khan does for me. And, but when we get there, I do feel like it was cast perfectly, though. Every oh, I feel like every single job. person. Everybody did a great job. Um, but wait until we get to TOS and you see Space Seed, which is the precursor to Ravicon. That's when you, they introduce you to Khan. So well, we'll get there. I, I, I sorry guys, we get a lot of out of whack, but like I'm really excited to be doing this with him. For this, uh, for the uh, highlight characters, Trip obviously. Trip, of, of course. Well, actually, I'm going to change it. Because, uh, yeah, the sim, sim sim was actually the Sim's greatness, and Sim is Trip. It is the same actor. It is Connor Trenarian who plays Trip, but he's playing Sim, who is the clone that grows, which is basically just Trip, but he grows. He goes super, grows super fast, has yeah. all of Trip's memories and a little bit more. Yeah, and 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 he's a, he's got a different personality, and I think he and I will. I, we usually only stick to the bridge crew when we pick our highlight characters. Um, but he is one that just really shined in this. And Flocks, I think, was a great shine for this too. I have Flocks in another in another um episode that he yeah, shined I have in. Him in. A couple of these too. I only have him in one, I believe. Yes, I have him in one. But uh, that was one where he wrote the. But uh, I wrote down here for like just notes was clone. Like, yeah, I know. I, I, this because I remember you ran downstairs when you watched this when you saw Trip being having funeral. Like Trip dies? Are you kidding me? 
And I'm like, just keep watching. Like, I knew he died <laughs> because, like, when I was reading the NX01 manual, it was, like, the fun facts. It was, like, Trip Tucker, when he dies in, I think it said season two, but that must have been a, a miss, miss yeah. thing. Uh, but, uh, uh. This, uh, yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, I mean, everybody dies eventually. So, uh, okay. We're going on. To, we're almost finished with the season. Uh, season three, episode 11. We only have one more episode to go after this. It's Carpenter Street. Now, oh, that was this one. That was this one. Why is this called Carpenter Street? Uh, is because, of course, that's based after John Carpenter, who they are a fan of. When they made this episode, it is very... It's a very horror episode, like the zombie, but it's a different type. And uh, what I really like about it is a very uh, great actor, in my opinion, Leland Orser, plays Loomis in it. And that's how you know it's connected to the Halloween universe, because Loomis, Sam Loomis, who Wait, was played by Donald Pleasance in Halloween, his name is Loomis in the show. Loomis. I didn't know his name was Loomis. I thought that yeah. was the password to get in, because like, I remember oh, he said Loomis. Loomis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. So we, yeah, we get that. So basically what happens in this episode is Archer and Paul travel back in time to Detroit in 2004 to stop three Zindi reptilians uh, from constructing a bioweapon. Now, I do want to mention, because we didn't mention it earlier, the five Zindi uh, species that we're dealing with here that we're going to really see that we haven't seen too much of. Are um, primate, uh, arboreal, aquatic, reptilian, and insectoid, and there's a dead one called the avians. See, I'm just going to let him talk. He knows what he's talking about. So the reptilians travel back in time because the reptilians are really, they're very militant crew. They really are bought all in on the watchers telling them. Guardian, I believe. Oh, the Guardians, you're right. The Guardians, my my apologies. The Guardians telling, oh, no, the watchers are something completely different to come later. (laughs) I'm losing my mind. So uh, the Guardians... Um, they bought all in. They listened to them, and they're like, yeah, we got to destroy Earth. They're going to destroy us. That's what they're all for. They were basically like, right after World War II Soviet Union, where it's like, yeah, we're all friends, but we're just going to do our own thing and completely go against what you all say, and then eventually betray you. <laughs> Fair. Pretty much the USSR, in a nutshell. <laughs> Fair. So they step in, and they're going to go, uh, so they go back in time with the Guardian's help, and they're creating a bioweapon to take out humans in the past, so they never even get to the point where they're in the future. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 time for Archer and Paul to go back and save them. How they do it, they get help from Daniels, who you remember from seasons one and two, who are part of the Temporal War, who serves on the Enterprise J. Uh, it's a very interesting. I don't love that storyline, but we'll talk about that in other episodes. You'll get there when you watch seasons one and two and four. <laughs> I've, I've watched I know you've Stormfront. I watched Stormfront one and two. Yeah, because you're on. You started season four, but He's dead already, I believe. You'll get there. So uh, yeah, so this episode I thought was a really good episode. I liked it a lot. It's it's a top five episode for me. Who shined the most for me? It was Archer. I also put Archer here. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, you have anything you want to add to it? It wasn't going to... They were originally trying to kill everyone, but they were setting it off, even though it would only kill three-fourths of the population, which still would cripple it so much that, like, they would be virtually no threat. 
uh, the bioweapon, also the Vindy Council, were like, no. They decided to build a giant Death Star that will obliterate humans. Yeah. And, but they didn't want to use it there because they still had their, like, you know, Growlick had talked to his people and, like, there's doubt. There was some doubt stepping in, like, are, are they our enemy? Like, they like, they're out there, but, like, we're attacking them. You know, like, we, they haven't attacked Like, us. do you, do we think that this might fail and that's the reason they attack us? Because this is a 400-year war that we start, so they end up winning? Yeah. This was a top five episode. I don't have this in top three, but I do have this in top five for this season. Okay, cool. I, you know what? Um, when we put this out, I would love to. So we're going to round out your top five. And now we're on to the final episode of this episode, which is episode 12, Chosen Realm. It was an episode that I didn't find very memorable. Uh, Enterprise answers the distress call of a Trianon. Trianon? Trianon, Trianon. Trianon ship after taking them on board. Dejamit. Dejamot. Dejamot. Thank you very much. You really got this. I really appreciate that. Um, Their leader tells they are a religious people visiting a sphere. They believe the expanse, the chosen realm, and the spheres were created by the makers a thousand years ago, and the anomalies are their breath. It soon becomes clear that these people don't have the, the best intentions. They take control of the Enterprise and want to use it in the war against heretics. Dijamont, right? Is that it? Yes, Dijamont. Also orders the death of one crew member, and because uh, because Enterprise desecrated several spheres, Archer must choose. Like I said, I didn't find it very memorable. What did you think of this episode? I didn't find it very memorable. There was one thing that I did find memorable. Again, like you've said in multiple episodes, I have Archer shining here. Uh, yeah. I, would I feel like it was, uh, like you said, showing him from earlier seasons where it's like, he picks himself. Yeah, yeah, he was willing to sacrifice himself for that. I don't think they wanted him to, right? If I remember correctly, they were like, "I don't know if I would pick that." Um, but what happens is he's like, "This is what we use to vaporize people." It's actually the transporter which sends him down to engineering where he. Uh, That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that now. Where he pulls a mutiny against the people that pulled the mutiny on uh, him. Yeah, uh, very good. Yeah, I remember that. That's it. That was a cool little trick. I forgot about that, but as soon as you said it, I remembered it. Um, I feel like that was really the part just, of this episode that I remembered. But the fact that I'm coming back to that, the fact that you have to remind me of that tells me. like, Because every other episode we talk about, I'm like, yeah, I remember it. Like, we're getting into it. You know, because I did. I watched this in March. So, so I'm a little behind, and then I was highlighting with you as you were watching it. Um but I remembered most of the stuff and I have my notes and stuff, but uh, this episode just washed away from me. And I felt like it was out of place because you said uh, earlier how they erased all of their, um, you know, uh, information on the expanse. Yes. So like all of their stuff gets uh, uh, deleted. Yeah. So, so that to me, would have probably been better in an earlier episode. I feel like right before uh, episode five, because like that's then we get to the Vulcan ship where they then mm-hmm. have the Trellium thing, so that can still be on the database. Uh, they can download the Vulcan ship database, which will get they'll still have a lot of stuff. But um, that would also mean that cart. But that would also mean I feel like they added this because if they didn't, because like if we move this, Carpenter Street would be. 
the rounding out of the half, which actually I feel like that would be a good thing. Because like the rep, you stop something about the reptilians. You know that the reptilians have their own agenda, mm-hmm. and that leads into the second half of the season, which is really more of the Zindi, where yeah. you really see more of the Zindi, not like we need to find the Zindi, but like we need to stop the Zindi. Sure. So that's a great point. So uh, I think we can agree, Archer. Archer, yeah, I Archer have Archer here. Trying. All right, so let's talk about the full season. Uh, there's a few things I want to talk about before we close out. Who do you think shined the most throughout the season? That first half of the season, I should say. I'm going to say personally, it's probably Archer to Paul. Archer. I have Archer I here. I feel like they made it more Archer-centric in this first season, first half. Because, like, here, if we were to – because if I count what episodes? Episode 1, 4, 7, 9, 11, and 12. For me, mm-hmm. we're all Archer, which is, like, half of this season. Yeah. So Archer, yeah. Uh, what was your favorite episode of the season? This for this half, it would be uh, Similitude. That's a good pick. Uh, for me, I would probably say oh, this is a tough one, but Similitude's a good one. But I'm probably gonna go Carpenter Street. That's a top five for me. I have that at four. I I would put that at four. What's what is your what's the worst episode of the season? In your Probably either episode one, three, or four. Oh, so wow! So either the Zindi extinction or Rajin. Yeah, Rajin. Yeah, Rajin. one of those three. I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna say this. I have I have one. I feel like it. I feel like it wouldn't have been the worst. Like mm-hmm. like we said earlier, it wouldn't if have been the worst if it, yeah. if it had gone not like right at the start. So now knowing that you have completed the season, because we're, we're covering this in, in both episodes and such, and you know it's a 9-11 allegory, and I know you weren't alive for 9-11, and it was a very crazy time, and you didn't see that happen, but you read about it a little bit, and you learned about it in history class. Um, I'm not expecting you to have any cra- uh, crazy insights or anything about it, but what knowing that it was based on something that happened here in the United States where you live, what do you feel about it? Like, what, what, are, what are your feelings? Like, like seeing these characters and knowing something about Star Trek and kind of what it's supposed to be about, how do you feel about, like, where they're going in their, their intense feelings on this mission? I don't know. I feel like they were trying to do something where it's like this was similar to how it, i believe it was like our afghanistan it, yeah it was afghanistan that we went to war with because of this uh well all right just quick history les- lesson um an abridged version a very short summarized version i should say um so 9-11 was orchestrated by bin laden who was leader of Al Qaeda? I believe leader it's of Al Qaeda, which was a faction of the Taliban, which was coming out of Afghanistan. Um, not blaming the Afghani's, not blaming Afghanistan. Um, it, it was you know, and and there's plenty more to talk about the horrific nature of what the Afghani people went through and are going through now. Uh, when this happened. And we found out, and because Osama bin Laden came out, you know, he claimed it, we knew it was him, 
Uh, George W. Bush was in office. Uh, he was our president. He he declared war. On, uh, he declared a war on terror. Thinking back on it, I don't know how you declare a war on ideology, but whatever. We did need to do something. People were scared. We got hit. A lot of people devastatingly died, and are still dying to this day from the effects of that day. Wait, really? Yeah, people. Yeah, we can talk about that off air, but you know, because this is a podcast about Star Trek, so I don't get too deep. But um, so it really affected a lot of people. This was very fresh in people's mind. It's like two thousand three, two thousand four that this was uh, this had come out. Um, so when this started, I think it was two thousand three, uh, the storyline. But then it went into two thousand four. So it was a tough time. People really had to deal with things. It was still coming off of it. We almost immediately went from, he said the war on terror because he went from, yeah, we're going to be searching for Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan, but he redirected and started a war in Iraq. Why Iraq? <laughs> well, he wanted to fight his daddy's war, and we can talk about that later. And I'm not saying that Saddam Hussein should have been caught and, and tried and everything else. That's another, that's a talk for another day but that's where this sort of comes into play where the terror would had many faces the terror had it was was represented by different that's why there's five different factions mm -hmm. that look so different and are different people because terror is represented the terror that um, they're going through and that they're feeling from the attack is represented the evil that they feel is represented by different people Right, and it's not even, and they're even, and one of, one of the things that I liked about that they did here is even the Zindi are basing their attack on fear. You know, so it, like it, it plays out in the end and, and comes around, but uh, a lot of what they talked about in doing the season was them dealing with nine eleven and their emotions towards it. Yeah, because Daniel says the Zindi are in the Federation. Yeah, later on, like 400 years down the line. But we're getting there. We're going to get there. I don't want to jump ahead. But. I think, so the worst one would be one. For me, the fifth, I have five. I have episode five at fifth place for me. I liked okay. it. I do feel like it was worse than Carpenter. Just give me a quick top five. Just go down. Because uh, we talked about the episodes. In number five is episode five. Number four is uh, Carpenter Street. Nice. I have number three being... It's probably going to be seven. I really like seven. That's number cool. two is North Star. And number no one wrong is, answers here, pal. And number two is <laughs> North Star. Number one is going to be Similitude. It was okay. either North Star or um, uh, the set, number seven. Okay. The Shipman, I believe. The Shipman was a good one. Okay. Yeah, I like Shipman a lot, too. What was your top five? I don't know that I have it in order, but I did five that I really liked the most was Carpenter Street, Similitude. All right. If I had to guess right off the bat, Carpenter Street... The shipment, similitude, um, maybe impulse, and uh, North Star. So pretty similar. You know, so sort of like kind of where we were. All right. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, well, actually, before we go, I do want to ask you, I want to start a new segment because you're so young. We're getting into Star Trek. And Star Trek has a lot of influence in a lot of areas. I would love to know what are some, what is a life lesson or maybe a couple of life lessons that you 
can take away from this season of Star Trek, uh, or maybe this half of the season that you saw that you're like, maybe that's something that you want to emulate when you get older, like a, like a stoicism of one of the characters or a trait, a personality trait, or maybe it's a technology or maybe it's a, you know, something like that. Like we, we, here, I think it's the world is a rough place, and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's a good one. I mean, like, I knew that, but, like, this really, like, did it well, where it's, like, the world is a rough place. Like, in this, it's, like, the galaxy, but, like, basically, the world is a rough place. It's hard to hold on to your humanity, huh? Yeah, it's hard to hold on to your humanity. But you got to try, right? Mm-hmm. So, I like that. I like that one. I can't, but, like... It might have been, I can't, one of the things was, I can't save humanity without, uh, I can't save, I can't save the humans without keeping my humanity. Or was something along those lines. Okay. I like that a lot. Very good. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Warp Factor Fiction, a chronological analysis of Star Trek on screen. I'm your host, Captain Mick Manhattan. And I am Ensign Tommy. <laughs> and make sure to check us out on uh, YouTube with Quarter Impulse and well, our, subscribe our, to our channel. Our video is only on Patreon. You can watch this on Patreon, but if you're listening, you can listen on any podcast platform. Um, it, it comes out on Patreon, and then a month after uh, it premieres on Patreon, you can listen to it anywhere on any podcast platform. But it, uh, everything comes out on Patreon first. You can only watch it on Patreon. But if you want to see Quarter Impulse, you can also watch it on YouTube. I appreciate that. Make sure to subscribe on to the Steam Snobs YouTube channel. We have a lot of good stuff that is not Star Trek related. But, like, we have the Steam Snobs podcast. There's the Friday morning show. Yeah. Uh, There's Betting Bros. Betting Bros. We have Five Takeaways. We have Did I Just Fix This Movie, which is a different movie given to me by Patreons or other Snob Nation community members. We have tons of fun stuff. Make sure you join up on the Patreon. Hang out on the Discord with us. Join us on social media. Tons of great things. What should they do to that uh, subscribe button? You need to smash that subscribe button and hit the like button. I can't pull that off. You do a good job with it, though. So, guys, go check it out. We love having you. We appreciate all the support. You guys are amazing. Casey used to uh, finish off this um, show in a brilliant way, and I really appreciated it. I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to say live long. And prosper. Good night, everybody. Don't you just hate those ads where you have the celebrities wearing clearly photoshopped shirts? Yeah, me too. That's why I'm not a celebrity. Go check out snobsmerch.com for great gear and more. We have tons of fun stuff. Go check it out.